Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Every single hour brings new developments for Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. And incredibly, right now, as we speak, those developments continue to be wildly positive. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 8 in your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. And uh, we're going to start right here with the news that we're getting this morning is all eyes are on the health and safety of DeMar Hamlin. How is he recovering? And uh, we have developments this morning. So we know right now that the Bills released a statement this morning saying, per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. In fact, if you then go to Cole Harvey, ESPN reporter that's been doing a great job covering this throughout, he's been tweeting over the course of the last hour. He tweeted out an hour ago, can confirm DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of his family members. Also told we will hear nothing from the family at the moment as they are still processing these developments. We also hear later as Cole tweets, just referenced this on first take, but had a chance to speak with a cardiologist not treating DeMar Hamlin to get context on how important that neurologically intact is in the bill's statement. He told me they would only use that term if someone was, quote, moving their extremities with some form of purpose and if they're able to understand basic commands. The fact we now know that DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of his loved ones appears to be a sign of that. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Harry, we have been waiting every single hour for days to get updates, and now we have updates that may at least give us some sense of hope that DeMar Hamlin is starting to recover. Yeah, Fitz, this is phenomenal news um, for everyone, but especially for DeMar Hamlin, his family, his loved ones, the people that he's uh, so, so close to. Because whenever, you know, you go to talking about the brain and the neurological part of things, you want everything to be intact. You don't want um, uh, anyone to have brain damage, but that's a great sign. And when you look at the Buffalo Bills and their organization, this is news that I think that they needed to hear. They need it at this moment, as well as the, uh, DeMar Hamlin's family. And when you're trying to, I don't want to say, you know, move forward, when you're trying to push through this tragedy, you just want some sense of hope and some sense of, you know, great riddings that's going to come uh, of everything that's happened. And I think this is tremendous news, especially uh, for his family. I can't reiterate, reiterate that uh, enough because if it's anyone right now who is, who, is, who is sitting beside DeMar Hamlin and hoping and praying and wishing that things will get better, it's his family. It's his mother. It's his father. It's his little brother. It's his uncle. It's everyone that's involved with his family, but you look at, you know, some of the close teammates that he have. We've seen Stephon Diggs, and we know Dane Jackson and how close he is to DeMar Hamlin. Um, I seen a young man yesterday for the Tennessee Titans that did an interview, and they say he broke down crying after he gave the interview. You see Kenny Pickett. There's so many people that in this world that want great news for DeMar Hamlin, and today we're getting some of that news. So we're going to continue to pray and continue to, you know, wish him the best that he's going to be able to recover from this. In a, in a great fashion, and uh, I can't say, I don't think we can pray enough. I don't think we can, you know, hope for the best as well. Well, and think about this. It's Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. If you are one of these players uh, for the Bills or the Bengals, frankly, 
trying to figure out how to navigate this, trying to figure out how to move forward, trying to figure out how to deal with the guilt of trying to figure out how to move forward when the unknown is the thing that everybody knows is out there is impossible. Right. I mean, we've been asking the league for days to make decisions on what's coming. And I think that's an impossible task when you don't know what's coming for DeMar Hamlet. And if you're the league, you certainly can't sit here and make sweeping decisions on what players are going to have to do when you don't know what players might be dealing with over the course of every hour. Right. Like that's the, yep. the, the part of this that I think we really need to look at and acknowledge for the players involved in the players around the league. Like when you don't know how he's doing, how do you even focus on anything? So just the simple fact that we get the, the neurologically intact portion of this becomes a huge, huge moment. Well, I, I, for everybody. I'll tell you Fitz, it's a strain on your, on your brain. It's a strain on your, your mental capacity. If you're these other, other players, especially the ones that really know him and are very, very close to him because you don't know how he's doing. So any, ounce of great news that you're able to get you're able to breathe differently you're you're able to relax a little bit more but you're still praying and hoping that he's going to pull through and everything is going to be all right and he's going to you know overcome this but when you get some sense of 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 positive news um on how he's doing I think it's a a positive reinforcement for you as a human being these players that they can be able to you know move forward and push forward and try to push through this tragedy that happened on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I think asking anybody for the Bills organization to try and focus on football is already impossible. But asking them to focus on football, frankly, the Bengals as well. I don't want to lose them in this conversation. To focus on football when we don't know uh, whether Hamlin's going to make it or not becomes an even tougher conversation. So these little moments of positivity news-wise give everybody the chance, I think, Harry, to just sort of uh, take a sigh of relief and say, okay, you know, certainly the most important thing, the only thing that anyone's thinking about is Damar Hamlin's health. Uh, I, I think any ounce of positivity gives you a little moment to try and say, okay, now at least I, I, if I have to play, I have that one thing that I can cling to, which is a little bit of hope for Hamlin. Well, Fitz, you, you hear the interview with Deion Dawkins and him saying that all their energy right now is towards Damar Hamlin and how he's doing. So when you hear that from a player, it's not just him feeling that way. It's the rest of that football team. It's Sean McDermott. It's Brandon Bean, the general manager. It's everyone involved in that Buffalo Bills organization because it's hard for them to move forward if they don't know their brother is doing okay. When you get that positive news, and even if it's a little bit of positive news, it allows you and helps you push through that much more. The one thing I can assure you, is that over the course of the next several hours, over the course of the day on ESPN Radio, over the course of the rest of the week, we will drop anything, anytime, anywhere to give you the latest on Hamlin. We will continue to talk about not only his health, not only this young man's progress, uh, not only where he is, but also what all of this means for the mental health of every single player involved in these conversations, every single NFL player. We're going to have an expert help us with that a little later throughout the show. There is no easy way to talk about anything else. We are going to try to, though. Obviously, over the course of the next couple hours, we got a lot of football to break down, and we're going to do that. We'll do it next with a conversation about pressure because there is one game this weekend that everybody has their eyes on with the Packers and the Lions and so much on the line for these two teams on the football field. The question is, who's got the most pressure going into it, and what does a win or a loss mean for both of these teams, not just for this season, but for their future. We're going to break that down as we continue to try and move on to some football conversation next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
It's amazing how expectations can suddenly create pressure and two franchises that have wildly different histories walk into a Sunday night game with a win-and-in mindset and still face a ton of what-if pressure. And that mindset, that matchup, the Lions, I can't believe I'm saying that, in Lambeau against the Packers Sunday night. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You can also just tell your smart speakers, hey, play ESPN Radio. By the way, we're too pretty not to be watched, too, so you can watch us in the ESPN <laughs> app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, HC. I can't believe I'm sitting here saying there's pressure on the Lions, and I understand that we're going to talk a lot about the Packers now and for the course of time because it's what we do. But I'm just saying, like, a Detroit team that's offenses look this good, Jared Goff out there throwing up a bunch of numbers. Like, it's weird because if the Lions make the playoffs, the perception going into the offseason is going to be wildly different, obviously. If they go in and they just get thumped by Green Bay, there are going to be some whispers about what could have been for this team. So I can find pressure on both sides. Yeah, I, I can understand that. But I think the most pressure for me, when I look when I look at it through my lens, Fitz, it's on the Green Bay Packers, right? Because you had so many expectations for this football team coming into the season. A lot of people hyped up their defense. A lot of people hyped up Aaron Rodgers in that run game and the players that they have uh, amongst their team in totality. But when we, get, when we got through the season, uh, I'll say about five or six games ago, there was a lot of people writing off the Green Bay Packers, and rightfully so because they haven't lived up to their standards and played the way a lot of people was expecting them to play. But I think one of the things or a few of the things that have allowed them to be in this position and winning four straight, number one, their schedule was very favorable, right? You look at the teams who they were able to play. It was the Bears, Rams, Dolphins, and Vikings mm-hmm. the last four games. And we all know Kirk Cousins gave them a lot of gifts. Now, you look at that Bears <laughs> game, and that defense was able to, you know, create three turnovers, um, especially at, at crucial moments. You look at that game with, I think, a little over two minutes to go, and Justin Fields, when the game was 20-19, to 19, the Packers were leading – uh, was driving down to, to try to get a field goal for them to win that football game. The defense came up with a huge turnover. You look at the Rams game, that defense was able to get five sacks and an interception. You look at the Dolphins games, uh, game, four turnovers that defense was able to do. And then you look at the Vikings game, like I just mentioned, uh, uh, able to get four turnovers against Kirk Cousins, three interceptions and one fumble. Now also what have, has, have occurred during that four-game win streak was the run game. You talk about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and that offensive line opened up, opening up holes for those two young men. Aaron Rodgers played a role, I think, mainly in the you know, Dolphins game because the Dolphins, for some odd and apparent reason, they love to blitz and send the house and leave their corners on islands. So Aaron Rodgers did what he normally does uh, prior to this season, being the back-to-back MVP, took advantage of it and made the throws that he had to make. But I will say – this four-game win streak has been all about the defense and them being able to cre- create turnovers against stops and that run game being very efficient. I love the concept as HC talks about, you know, Kirk Cousins just giving a presence. Like suddenly I'm imagining, you know, <laughs> Kirk Cousins dressed as the fat man with the red suit on. He's dropping back his Santa Claus and he's like, you get a present, you get a present. Or this defense has been full Grinch mode, just taking all of the presents uh, that are presented to him. And, and you're not wrong. Uh, we've been saying it on this show, we'll say it all week, that – you know, you it, two things can be true. The Packers can be on a win streak that's not because of Aaron Rodgers. It's because of the defense, the special teams, and the way they're playing complementary football. And that also doesn't mean that it's a discredit to Aaron Rodgers. I think for me, 
Here's the thing. I rarely get to say, like, HD, I was right. I was right. Well, <laughs> in, in the preseason predictions, you know, back on Spade and Fitz, I picked the Vikings to win the division, and I thought that it would come down to the wire on whether the Packers were going to be a playoff team or not this year. So, for me, the Packers are kind of who I thought they would be. And, yes, we all wrote them off in the middle of the season, or many of us wrote them off in the middle of the season. They've gone on a run. What's interesting is that because they've gone on a run and they get the Lions at home, now the expectation is simply that the Lions will fold, that Jared Goff will play terribly because he does play terribly on the road, that the league did no favors for Detroit for putting this game outdoors in Lambeau on a Sunday night. Like, now it feels like oh, all of the – like it's like they're playing with house money now for the Packers. Like, we're just all presuming the Packers going to go in. They win, they're in. That's it, you know? So, But Fitz, i got to explain to the listeners how it is at, at Lambeau oh, Field at nighttime. Yeah, like, ooh, yeah, because you- I played there twice at nighttime – in December, and one of the times with the wind chill, it was negative 12. The other time, it was negative 8. It got to one point, I think it was either Monday Night Football. I think it was Monday Night Football. When we started the game, it felt one way. By the time the third quarter came around, the wind was swirling, and I looked at Roddy and Julio, and I said, man. And we're at the line of scrimmage with our hands and our hand, and our hand warmer, and our head coaches <laughs> on the sideline, dog cursing us out. Get your hands out your hand warmer. Why the DB is in press coverage? And we're like, nah, nah, coach, you don't understand what it's like out here, baby. I understand that you have a coat on and you're on the sideline, but we are literally out here with our hands freezing. So wait, wait, were you wearing, uh, it, it's like, tough to play, man. Were you wearing sleeves for that? Like HD no, words? Okay, no HD, sleeves. I don't, don't wear, wear sleeves, sleeves, baby. Like, so, no. like, no, no. Now I've got for this, the week. Uh, this, for the uh, week. this mindset in my mind. Like, we're, <laughs> Harry Douglas and I are going to be in L.A. for the college football playoff national championship. I want somebody to get like a huge ESPN parka, even if it's not cold, so I can just walk up and be the parka guy. I've always thought like I'd be good on the sidelines as the parka guy. I walk up to the real star, put the jacket on him, give him a little water, <laughs> make sure they're good. Like I'm, I'm full parka uh, HD. That's what I'm going to do. Like, we'll but, get he, you. but here's another thing that I think that is a, a key a key component to this ball game. When you're playing at Lambeau Field in December and January, you can't wear your regular cleats. You have to wear your screw-in cleats. And also, you can't really explode and cut the way you want to cut because the ground may be a little moist and, you know, it might be a little hard as well. So all that plays a lot of things into the imposing team coming in. Like the Green Bay Packers, they don't have an issue with it because they understand how their home field is. But I know the Detroit Lions, if their equipment guy right now is telling them, hey, guys, we're all wearing our screw-ins, no molded cleats this week. Yeah, the funny thing to me is that the Lions walk into this game realistically feeling free and loose because nobody believes in Detroit. In fact, if you don't believe me, this is Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, when he was asked about what it says that the Lions are in playoff contention. You know, there again, we just stayed the course, you know. I mean, that was – look, we came into the year and that's that's where we were at. And, uh, you know, we hit a rough spot. We stayed with it. And then here we are. I mean, I I just think more than anything, it's – um, I don't know what it says. I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> I don't know. I just know for us it means something that we, we uh, climbed back out of the, the cellar and, and got ourselves uh, in position to, to play for one more meaningful game here before the year ends, man. And uh, that's a step in the right direction. I'm telling you, HD, the more I think about the Lions, and I know Bears fans are going <laughs> to at me and tell me that the Bears got $100 million bucks to spend this offseason. I hear you, and the Bears have the number two overall pick. I hear you. 
right now the Lions offense is expl- if Jared Goff goes into Lambeau and beats the Packers to keep them out of the playoffs, the legend of golf is going to grow. The the Lions are going to be sitting there with a with the top 10 pick in the NFL draft that they'll be able to use to address the defensive side of the football should they choose to. And the Lions got a couple of guys that can get after the passer in ways that like we're not used to seeing from the Lions. Like Aiden Hutchinson has not been good. He's been great. It's been a delight watching him go back in that that uh, force that interception uh, against the Bears was just tricky play calling and then uh, uh, the, the the Houston kid that, that's out there that's only been playing th- since Thanksgiving yes. and all he's doing is absolutely killing quarterbacks like I'm just watching the Lions think I can't believe I'm saying this but Detroit has the building blocks to be great for several years if they nail this offseason my god well I'll say this you look at that offensive line and everything starts with up front for them when it, when you look at that offense and how they've been able to, you know, out physical people and muscle people around and move a man from point A to point B against his will. That's what coaches preach on a daily basis. You look at the run game and how phenomenal it's been. Uh, I think Jared Goff has exceeded expectations this year, more so when the, Dolphin, uh, when, when the Lions made that trade, more so than probably their fans thought he was going to be able to handle being in Detroit. He's been phenomenal, especially at home. Now, away is a little bit different, and this game is going to be an away game, but I think Jared Goff has it in him to have one great performance on the road when it's cold, when the lights uh, in the prime time spot. But you talked about that defense and James Houston, a guy that they found a diamond in the rough, and Aiden Hutchinson, and you look at them going to have a top five pick this year in the draft because they ha- they own the Rams pick, and you believe in Jared Goff and what he's did this year. I don't think it was a fluke. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick some years ago for a reason. And right now he's playing like that. They're 7-2 and two in their last nine games. Now they had a blimp against the Carolina Panthers, but that was more so on the defensive side of the ball and giving up 320 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. That's one thing they're going to have to, you know, st- be stout against the run game of the Green Bay Packers because if I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm going into this ball game, I'm looking at how teams have been able to run the football on them, but then when you have the man coverage and you're able to take your shots, you got to capitalize on it. Aaron Rodgers in that first matchup didn't do a good job of making the throws when he was supposed to. He actually missed some guys that was wide open, so I know he wants to make up for the lack of what he didn't do in the first matchup this season. Yeah, it's going to be a wild matchup on Sunday night, absolutely. We're going to keep breaking it down from a bunch of different angles, but coming up, how do the Bills, Bengals, and the rest of the NFL move forward, not from just the standpoint of stepping on the field, but from a standpoint of mental health? We're going to talk to an expert on that topic. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I will say loudly, the professionalism of one Christine Lisi is always on display, particularly in studio as she uh, comes in to do the Sports Center update and has to listen to us continue to prep what we're doing and then comes in and effortlessly does that. We uh, always appreciate Christine and her great work on Sports Center. Uh, it's Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and one conversation we knew we wanted to have over the course of this week. The minute uh, the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation happened, we started talking about mental health. And if anyone's ever listened to me on any of the shows that I've ever been a part of of ESPN, mental health is something that's incredibly important to me. Therapy changed my life. I'm open and honest about that. And I, I constantly think about the mentals for the players involved. And one of the, the things I'm proudest of from the debut of our show on Tuesday is that Harry and I were able to have really open conversations from his mindset 
as a former player. It only makes me think of what every single player right now in the NFL is dealing with. And we're going to get some insight on expertise on how to handle that now from Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, counseling psychologist and sports mental health expert, president of Mosley and Associates Consulting. She's the founder of the Sports Mental Health and Wellness Playbook. This was a perfect fit for us because we wanted somebody that understands sports and understands mental health. So, Dr. Robinson Mosley, thank you so much for the for your time. What would your message right now to current NFL players be as they try to deal with all of this? Uh, thank you so much for having me on, uh, Mr. Harry, um, and congratulations on your show. Um, I first and foremost would say the most important thing is to take care of yourself. Um, you can't show up uh, as your best, whether it's on the field or beyond it, if you aren't doing uh, the things to take care of yourself right now. Um, it makes sense after witnessing a traumatic event, even though it's, it's rare, this was a catastrophic incident um, that they witnessed and are deeply and intimately connected to. Um, we haven't seen anything like this in the modern era of football. So it makes sense that many uh, players, both currently and, and former players and, and many folks who witnessed it, are continuing to still grapple with uh, what they saw. Our brain is still trying to process and make sense of it. Um, so in the aftermath of that, um, you will see uh, a lot of people talking about difficulty concentrating, feeling kind of out of it or dazed or confused, having some intrusive thoughts and replaying uh, of images of what um, they saw, even nightmares and trouble sleeping. Um, these things are, are normative after experiencing uh, something or witnessing something like that. Um, and we may see some physical reactions. Um, this is especially important to think about as they are preparing to, to go back and play here within the next few days. Um, as we mentioned, the Bills are having their first full practice and um, we're about to get rolling again. Um, so the most important thing is how can I take care of myself right now? And you mentioned taking care of yourself. What can people do to take care of themselves during this process? During this process, there are some strategies that are really helpful um, in the immediate um, aftermath and even, even several days or weeks uh, after witnessing a traumatic event like this. Um, the first one that sometimes can be uncomfortable, but I always like to say, listen, football is high risk and vulnerability is nothing but authenticity plus a risk. So you're already doing something risky, but the what could be risky and uncomfortable is talking to someone. Um, I'll get to the talking to a, a mental health professional in a moment, but I literally mean talking to someone um, who you care about and who cares about you. So that could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, um, a teammate, a coach, a trainer. Um, those things are really important right now. And it doesn't have to be anything longer drawn out where you're spilling your guts. It could be, hey, listen, I'm having a really hard time right now. I'm not exactly sure what to do with that, but uh, I might need some additional support or check on me. Um, it's also important for us uh, within the community to check on players, so not even waiting for them to offer and say um, that they need some support or what's going on, um, reaching out. Um, avoiding alcohol or drugs to cope uh, as much as possible or other substances. Um, it can be helpful to, um, you know, have several drinks and, and use that to be able to numb out, um, but it could increase the probability for further accident or injury. So we don't want you to use that to cope. Instead, um, we want you to engage in uh, healthier ways to cope. Make sure you're eating enough, make sure you're hydrating enough, 
getting enough sleep as possible because if you're feeling better physically, it can help you feel better emotionally. Um, since we're talking about professional athletes, working out is something that they do all the time. So we want you to engage in physical activity, but for athletes, this means something other than working out because that's your job. Um, taking a walk, um, doing something tactile like gardening or puzzling, um, breaking something down, being able to do something that reduces stress, um, that you're able to use different muscles, so to speak, um, that could be creative uh, is something we want you to do. And then finally, um, if it's too much and you don't have access to other people or places that make you feel better, there's always a, a resource. It's 988. You can text or call 988 um, for yourself if you're experiencing emotional distress or if you're worried about someone else. This is the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And there are mental health professionals available 24-7 to coach you through something, to talk you through it, or just to be there as support. It's interesting to me, Dr. Robinson-Mosley, because I constantly think about how individualistic therapy can be, how individualistic grief can be, and and then how yes. communal a team is. So you got 53 people on an active roster that might all be grieving in different ways and might all need different things. How do you get everybody? This isn't like a normal injury that there's a, a, a book on. How do you get an entire group of people that are all grieving differently to process this together? That's a really great question because you're absolutely correct. It's a both and. So there has to be an individualized approach to making sure people have resources and tools and kind of practical strategies to help them. But then we also have to make sure that the organization and the, the team environment is co-creating uh, an environment where people can take care of themselves and have access uh, to resources and tools. This has to happen at the same time. So the first thing I always advise for folks to do when they don't know what to do is to listen. Because before we pull together a game plan on how we're going to provide support, how we're going to be able to help people move forward, um, we have to know exactly what they need. Uh, because if we rush to provide something without actually collecting the data, hearing what people would think is helpful, um, and then providing it, we could provide something that actually isn't helpful at all. In fact, it could be more harmful. So the first immediate thing is figuring out what exactly do people need right now in this moment? And then how do we provide that as an organization in a way that is accessible and responsive to exactly what's happening right now and the really diverse, unique needs um, across these stakeholder groups? I'm talking about athletes, obviously, but also I'm thinking about coaches. It's a really hard time to coach right now. Trainers, even our front office staff folks, um, all of those things are really important. Doc, what would be your recommendation to the National Football League about resuming the Bills versus Bengals game and actually, you know, going back and playing games this weekend? So those are two uh, separate things because the, the Bills and the Bengals are intimately connected um, by what happened. Uh, and as of now, I think the jury is still out on deciding whether they're going to play those games and that uh, play that game. And, and that makes sense. I think they're in deep conversation um, with uh, the players that are involved, the coaches, the staff to determine um, if and when that game is going to be played. And I think that's the right approach. On the other side of it, for the other players um, across the league who are having to kind of suit up and, and go back out there both in practice and then also for games, um, this is a kind of a, a time to be on high alert 
Um, people are walking wounded right now. They're pretty raw and emotional. And I always, uh, in my business, I, I treat a, a physical injury very much like uh, a psychological or emotional one. If you can't go, you can't go. Um, we've had phrases in our business a lot about something's off, you know, between his ears or their head's not in the game. Those are things that are all connected to the psychological phenomenon around performance. So if, whether you have a high ankle sprain or an ACL tear or hamstring pull, or you are not psychologically ready to go in, um, both of those things will impact your ability to make um, the best split decisions in this high-risk context sport, and it will impact whether you're able to play at all. Uh, we don't want to risk further injury, and we don't want to risk further accidents if people literally cannot wrap their minds around getting back out there. So as we're moving forward, um, the clinicians on staff, um, the trainers, the coaches, players um, for themselves and also for their teammates need to kind of be on high alert um, because we're moving forward. And there may be some opportunities to play that could be really helpful, but you don't want to send somebody in before they're ready to go. Follow her on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Mosley. She's Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, counseling psychologist, sports mental health expert, president of Mosley and Associates Consulting. Dr. Mosley, you have made us smarter today. I genuinely appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all so much and your platform, and I really hope it helps us take care of ourselves so we can show up and take care of each other better and improve performance at the same time. Y'all have a great one. It's brilliantly said by her, as we expected. And uh, she, again, she referenced how difficult it could be because of the association to even play the, the, the Bengals Bills game. Well, we've got some more updates on that, and we'll give them to you next on some concepts of what could be coming down the pipeline for that game and could even impact the playoffs. We'll do it next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's funny because as we try and figure out how the NFL moves forward, one of the real conversations that we're openly trying to have is about the mental health of everybody impacted not just in this game, not just for Bills and Bengals players, but everybody in the league. And it's something the league has made apparent in their internal memos that they're worried about. It's the mental health of every single player and coach. And we just got a little bit of an insight into that, Harry, and it it raises real conversations. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And AC, I, I keep thinking about the fact that you got 53 people on a team. And as somebody that's gone in my life, and I've always been very open about this, therapy really changed me, made me a much better person. If anyone's ever gone to a group therapy type session, one of the most interesting things is that when you sit in groups sometimes, you realize that everybody's experiencing similar things, but they're all experiencing them differently. And how do you weigh what you're feeling versus what this person's feeling? And it can become kind of a strange, you know, mind, you know what, as you try and figure out how to deal with your emotions. I can't imagine 53 guys in the locker room, some that are, are, are going to, you know, put on a tough face and, and not want to deal with it, some that are going to want to be super open about it, and some that don't even know how to feel about it. Like, it's got to be wild in a locker room when everybody processes this sort of incident differently. It is, Fitz, and you're going to have a range of emotions. You know, some are going to be high, some are going to be low. You are going to have those guys that, you know, say, hey, I'm all right. But then a week or two later, they might not be all right. 
And I think one of the best things that Dr. Mosley touched on is, you know, talking to someone, talking to someone that has your best interest, that loves you. Because one of the hardest things for people in the position of these football players to do is to trust somebody and go talk to them about any and everything. Trust me, I know. I was in that situation for 10 years. And if we're talking about college and, you know, growing up in high school too, you can add those years as well to it. I'm a guy, I go to counseling right now as well. Like my wife got me to do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I was against it 100%, but I followed her lead. And it's very, very helpful because rather than sitting here, you know, stay, staying balled up and not, you know, releasing stuff that may be on my heart, maybe on my chest, now I can, you know, get those things out and talk to someone about them and feel better about myself, have my day be better as well. I think another thing that um, she touched on is that we as people also have to figure out how to listen to others, right, and not have select, selective hearing. We got to be able to be that open ear for others as well when they need it. I think the, the uh, engaging in physical acti activities outside of the sport, um, walking around, doing things around the house, just things to take your mind off what you just drastically seen. And I think the last thing for me is her saying that this game is going to be difficult to play because of the association between the two teams. I really felt her when she said that because, you know, we have players from the Cincinnati Bengals who may be feeling some type of way, and I'm going to continue to say this. A lot of people are going to have to put their arm around T. Higgins because he's involved within that play. Mm -hmm. Also, you look at the teammates for the Buffalo Bills of, uh, of, of DeMar Hamlin – those guys are going to need some, some extra care and some extra love as well. So don't be afraid to reach out. Don't wait for people to just, you know, hit you up and say, hey, I need your assistance. No, you be the, the leader and you hit them up. Because sometimes being a football player, being a guy in that case, in that, in that, in that incident, in that spot, you might not necessarily reach out to someone. You might be lonely and stay to yourself. But when you have someone that you, that you trust that can reach out to you, and for me, I, I'll tell you, it's my mother and my pastor. It's times where they, they would just reach out to me on a daily basis. Hey, man, I'm checking on you. Are you all right? And that means the world to me. No, my, no amount of money can mean more to me than my mother and, and my pastor reaching out to me just trying to figure out how I am mentally. Well, and, and it's funny when you say that, Harry, because like a, a life-transforming moment for me was just being able to admit to, to my friends and to some of my close group, like, I'm having a bad day. You know, and for somebody, I think for a lot of people that even see what we do for a living, like you and I both come in and we're bubbly, we're energetic every single minute of every single day. Like, that's who we are. But that's just also part of how you cope. Like, so for me, just being able to admit like, wow, this is this. I don't even know why I'm having a bad day. I'm just having a bad day. I'm lucky to have people in my life that I could do that to. And it's been really transformative for me. It's hard. And, and I'll go back to something Ben Baby, uh, you know, who works for ESPN covering the Cincinnati Bengals, tweeted out 22 minutes ago. And he said, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan on the emphasis in sports and football in particular for people to seek out mental health resources. The quote, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. The mm. fact that he's saying that, though, reminds you that there is still to some people around anything, there's this stigma, right? And so yep. uh, these become the moments that you've got to break through those walls because at some point, everybody's going to have to to go through the process of, of processing what they saw on the field. And that's going to be so wildly different for every every person. It's very imperative that these young men, like, like, like Dr. Mosley just mentioned, you, you eat the correct way, you sleep the correct way, you stay hydrated. 
all those things are major major factors into getting over things like this. And well, sometimes it, you might not. It's going to take a, a different time frame for you to get over it, but there there are steps to the process to make sure that you're healing the correct way. And it, it blew my mind when she mentioned the workout thing because for me, it, it's been recommended as a way for me to release like whatever I'm feeling, right? But that's mm-hmm. not my job. So like music, which was my job, was never a release for me. Working out would be for you. It'd be the opposite, right? Like so, you know, when correct. working out's been your job, and I never thought of that. So it speaks to like how different this entire process is and how un- unchartered these waters are. Now, you heard Dr. Mosley say she doesn't believe the Bengals-Bills game should be played, and it raises a real question everybody's asking right now. What happens next? We may have the beginning of the answer to that, and you'll hear some from one of our best experts next on what the NFL could be planning. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. <laughs> 